What's up, everybody? Before we get the podcast started, I just wanted to remind you that we have merch for sale, official podcast merch. You can go to the link in the description of this very podcast and go to our Teespring account and get a shirt, two coffee mugs, and a COVID-19 custom mask with our logo on it, because why not milk this pandemic for all it's worth financially? So uh, again, the description to our merch is in the description of this podcast. On to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 203 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for, what, Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. Yeah. I mean, the level of slacking, The I think it's been like two weeks. <laughs> two weeks and no... It's like, oh, I wonder why our fan base doesn't grow, you know? <laughs> Whatever. People find us when they find us. People drop off. People jump on board. We try to be hey, as consistent. Hey, we had some people check in on us, though, and see, you know, if we're okay. Yeah. Which, that was really nice. Yeah, it was kind of nice. I mean, uh, although, but if, like, this podcast was a human person, by the time they checked in on it, it would have already been decomposing, but <laughs> oh that's God. how long it took. But, you know, at least they did finally <laughs> find the body of the podcast, and and where uh, they were able to resuscitate it, but um, oh my god! Now for me personally, my excuse is that um, I, you know, here's the part where Josh talks about his band and everybody tunes out. Um, we've had we've been working on releasing this new single uh, called Obsidian Blood, and we have um, a music video that was just going to be like this very simplistic lyric video with very simple shots and then lyrics plastered on the screen but then we the the footage came out looking so good that i was like man i don't want to just use this for a lyric video so then we ended up getting more into it and long story short we ended up making a full-fledged like new music video so you just fell down the rabbit hole yeah and then on on top of that we had this show kind of fall on our lap a month ago for this saturday october 24th and we decided to take it and um so we've been practicing our live stuff and we were so rusty because we had not done our electric set in so many months because there was no reason to with the pandemic, you know, where were we going to play? So uh, rusty as hell. So really, it's just been. Oh, and on top of that, I guess I should mention, too, and I already mentioned this in the group, but, uh, you know, my fucking karaoke gigs are starting to come back. My work is finally starting to come back. I have three weekly gigs now. Um, which, uh, whew, buddy, going, going from like six months of being pretty isolated and not really having to deal with like large crowds and then going from that to like large, angry, well, not angry, but large, uber excitable mobs of people wanting to sing karaoke is just like a shock to my system. 
because as I figured, uh, none of my regular gigs that I had before the pandemic came back, these are all new gigs that just emerged when things started to reopen in Florida. So I kind of figured that's how it was going to go. And the unfortunate thing about that is, is you're literally going in all new on everything. So it's like if you've worked a job for five years and then, you know, you get laid off and then you have a new job with like three new departments of new things, you know how to do the things, but it's just all new people, all new atmosphere, all new energy. Um, Two of these gigs are pretty rambunctious as hell. Uh, I literally had to shut my gig off in mid song the other on my new monday gig because these two lesbians were wrestling on the ground like right in front of me and just being drunkards knocking shit over and just being a an overall pain in the ass <laughs> wow and and, the, okay. and and i don't know what their fucking obsession was with floating around my dj booth it's like go away you have so literally the whole rest of the bar <laughs> to do your shenanigans at why do you have to be like right by all my expensive shit? Does it give you a fucking boner to know that you're you could potentially topple over my my life, my livelihood? And if you think for one second these motherfuckers are going to pay for anything that they break, you are dreaming. The amount of times that people have said, "Oh, I'll pay for it," and that I, you never hear from them, they change their number. Uh-huh. They, you know, yeah. So it, it's uh, the, I just literally turn the song off in mid song. I go, "All right, you guys are. I'm not continuing the show until you guys go. Just go. You're you're wrestling each other around. You're knocking shit over. I am not gonna resume the show until you go away." And I just stood there. So it's the kind of stuff that you and Stephanie do. In, in, in the comfort of your own home, right? But, like, not in public. And it's like, you know, we don't need to be doing that and damaging equipment and being roughhousing, you know, in in, in public. Because that's just I mean, annoying. If they wanted to wrestle each other in other parts of the bar, that's the bartender's problem. <laughs> that's that's their jurisdiction. You're like, you, you're in my circle, then it's my problem. Right, when you're and... near all my goddamn equipment, my, on my near my flimsy-ass yeah. plastic table, and she's yeah. sitting there trying to booty dance on, and put all her weight on my shitty Ooh, plastic table. Yeah, and then, like, just, uh, yeah. I could just imagine all the doomsday scenarios. Can you imagine scenarios. your face... Yeah, just body slam, just tries to just straight up WWE stuff, just tries to just body slams her partner right through the table yeah, in front of it, you. Yeah, literally, that was <laughs> that was a possibility with how wild they were being. And I was just be like, what? <laughs> and it was one of those weird like relationships where they would be slapping the shit out of each other and like almost yeah. fighting one second and then the uh-huh. next f- second they'd be like making out and... Yeah, it's just. Uh, what would your reaction be if if one of them did body slam uh, another into your table? Uh, your table, definitely yelling at them, and <laughs> nothing would come of it because they would just leave eventually, and I would get no recompense for my damaged items. Uh, I would just be fucked. That's literally why I stopped the the show in mid song. Radio silence. And I'm like on the mic going, yo, you need to get the fuck away from my shit. Because if it breaks, I literally said on the mic, I go, if, if you break it, you're not going to pay for it. I already know that. So uh-huh. go away with your drunk ass, you know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and like, they- what, like how, like, 
you can't how you you can't hold their feet to the fire on that. It's not like I can grab no. her by the arm and like you know grab her purse and grab her wallet and be like, all right, you broke exactly five hundred and forty two dollars of my stuff. Oh, here's your checkbook. I'm just gonna write myself a check, tear it off. All right, thank you, thank you yeah. for uh you no. know correcting your fuck up. No, that's not gonna happen. You know, no. you could take them to small claims court, but that's pointless. So, yeah. yeah. So, so really, the best measure is to make sure it never happens in the first place, and by me doing what I did. Well, good on you, thinking thinking ahead, you know, trying to... <laughs> My friend uh, Robbie was there, and he's literally like, he's like, I've literally never seen a karaoke DJ do that, props to you or whatever. Because, like, most, yeah. most people would just, like, kind of tolerate it and be like, oh, I'm too afraid to make it awkward and ruin the show i didn't i don't give a fuck anymore i really don't i go in <laughs> i go in there with the attitude of if i feel i'm being done wrong or something pushes me to the limit i don't care if i lose this gig with what i'm about to do that's kind of my attitude now like i don't care if they fire me for doing this these people need to be educated right now and i'm about well that to- shows you that you've come a long, long way as well from uh, old josh because uh, i don't think old josh would have had the balls to do something no like that, no he right? would not uh, even josh of like <laughs> 3 or 4 years ago wouldn't have had the balls to do that but now i i just i think becoming an adult and really like stepping into who you are is uh really kind of assimilating the I don't give a fuck what happens attitude into your ethos to a certain degree. Uh, Because you have to have a little bit of that if you have anything that you stand for. Uh, There's got to be a little bit of that I don't care about what's about to happen with what I'm about to say or do because uh, I believe in what I'm doing. Yeah, kind of like uh, how I am when it comes to my reviews, uh, even if it's a popular film. If I don't like it, I don't like it. And I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I yeah. really do not give a I fuck. I mean, the internet like, is the like... think, or, you know, all the insults, or the yeah. other shit they'll try to throw at me. Um, because it's how I feel. It's my honest opinion. Um, and as for the reason why I wasn't, um, you know, available, I had a little bit of a scare health-wise. I thought it was it could be potentially covid has had some of the symptoms but uh then i just figured out after you know some days of rest that it, the, the 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 symptoms cleared up it was just like you know some chest tightness and you know sore throat that kind of stuff but um i've i've realized uh, after you know thinking about things i i think it's related to the mask that i was wearing and, and and the fact that I'm just not breathing properly yeah. when I'm wearing the mask at work. So if I have like a long shift at work, for some reason mentally or, or I have not been breathing normally. And I think it, it was a way to compensate to make sure that my glasses don't get fogged up so much. So I think initially for the first month or two, my body was able to handle it. But like if it's just just uh, the third or fourth month into, you know, that cycle of just not breathing properly, just really kicked my ass <laughs> and uh, it took me a bit to recover. So I'm like mentally trying to rewire my brain to actually breathe in and breathe out uh, more normally while I'm wearing a mask. Um, but I also switched to a thinner mask, which isn't as thick in terms of a material. I tried buying a really fancy one with like events and everything. It looked 
way too big on me for one. It looked ridiculous. Look like I'm wearing a muzzle. Second, it was just incredibly uncomfortable. Like the nose bridge is made out of like hard plastic and rubber and uh it it velcros to the back of your head and it was just really rigid and uncomfortable and so I'm returning it cuz I'm just like nope. And that cost me like 27 bucks, but I can return it, so I'll get an Amazon credit for it. But I was just like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, better masks that are more comfortable, you know, more breathable. But I, I, a lot of it's just, it is what it is, uh, you know. I'm, I'm, my body is just not used to having to wear a mask all the time. And also on top of that, I, I think there's also a little bit of anxiety and mental sort of stuff going on. So um, that creates a little bit extra stress on, on the body as well. Um, I've realized like if I have a, you know, decently long shift at work and I come home and I'm trying to record a video or something, my voice is like fucked. I can't do, I can't do, <laughs> I can't do a video without like my throat tightening up. So it, it, it's uh, it's an adjustment process, but you know it is what it is. Um, I think a lot of people are having like low key corona paranoia nowadays, where they mm -hmm. prob where they probably don't have it, but like they're any sore throat. It's like really bad uh, heartburn or something. Oh yeah, that, that's what I had a mix of heartburn and like the the chest pain because of you know just not breathing properly. Yeah, like, I, th I just think any old symptom now, people are like, oh, God, what if it's COVID? And I, I honestly think there's going to be a whole new generation of people with OCD after all this is said and done. Yeah. Uh, the hand washing, not wanting to touch things that they feel are contaminated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I, I, shit, I feel that way. Every time I do my gigs now, I'm like, you know, I, I could, I could get it, I could have gotten it again tonight for all I know. Because in, in Florida, in Jacksonville at least, um, the mask thing uh, for bars has gone out the fucking window. Like, it's insane the amount of people that are in a small space. I feel like I'm tattling on Jacksonville right now, but um, to the rest no. of the world. But um, Jackson, like the bars, man, like, no, I, I remember when the bars first started opening up, you had to enter the bar wearing a mask, and only when you sat down at the bar could you take your mask off shit now people are walking around walking inside without a mask walking all around all over the place without a mask uh for me of course i like i like to feel this that sense of normality again so i'm like well that's cool but then there's another part of me that's like man if these cases start spiking up in florida which they haven't been honestly ever since the, i mean it's been fuck three or four weeks since we've reopened everything officially and the cases have not spiked up like they did back in july um so i don't I, you know who knows i don't nobody knows that's the thing nobody fucking knows i like these people who get like super like self-righteous on facebook and they feel they need to, to chide everyone about how they're doing it, everything wrong and they don't care it's like but dude you don't know either though see that's the thing like the news article you read is it, you know it's it there, there's so many of them i could read another news article that refutes what you're saying so like who's to say which one is the correct source um, I mean, I, I just think for some, you know, some people do go about it the wrong way. Like for instance, chiding other people. But, uh, when it comes to this whole deal, I think just out of respect and out of appreciation for your fellow human being, 
you know, it, it's a good idea to follow the protocol, even if it's not even 100% necessary. Uh, you know, it, follow it as much as you can, like at least, you know, have your mask and, and you know, have it on when you're uh, not drinking or not eating something, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, or, you know, if you're in a ta at a table and you're definitely six feet away from one another, maybe you can, you know, chat or hang out without the mask. But like this whole thing of like close contact in a bar without a mask is even though the numbers aren't spiking, it's I, I don't think it's very smart, but that's just me. But I'm not going to be like chiding anybody about it it's their body it's their life and you know it, it, they're the ones that are making that choice and and you know they're the ones that have the ultimate control over that so i'm not gonna you know do anything about it or or make a big deal about it yeah. i just think it's you know it, it's just a good idea to to follow you know as much protocols as you can um, I mean, people are still wearing masks in like grocery stores and Walmart and shit, but yes. it's really it's really just the bars in Jacks where, you know, it's mainly young people. Which is interesting. Yeah, I know. But what's interesting is, you know, in a bar, it's probably going to be more tight. Yeah, oh yeah, contact. absolutely. Like the, so, the air, the air in the yeah. bar is is thick and hot with the amount of people in there, just yes. with all their mists from their mouth, just all in the air. And I'm just thinking to myself. Jesus, I am really testing the whole if you can get COVID again scenario because I am yeah. just pushing the limits. Um, but I don't know. You know. I've been hearing things from like, I talked to a nurse, for instance, and uh, she was saying that uh, the cases they are seeing now are less intense. The people who do get on respirators, whereas in the past they had a 20% 20 survival rate. When getting off uh -huh. the respirator, respirators, now it's like an eighty percent survival rate. Oh, okay, that's pretty um, cool. So, so things. Uh, it seems like it is mutating in a a way that's perhaps uh, more conducive for the human body to deal with. Or it might just be like psych. Well, you know, when it first <laughs> and, then, and then it mutates again, and then it's like worse than than ever. I get you know the viruses are. Well, I mean, like to that. back up my hypothesis, if you look at the statistics on the coronavirus even though uh nationally the cases are starting to kind of spike back up which sucks um the, the deaths um are have stayed relatively on the lower side compared yeah, compared sure. to april and um may that's definitely that's definitely changed yeah the, so the that's of, kind uh, of that that backs up you know what the nurse was telling me about how uh -huh. the cases that are coming in are less fatal than the, the 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 very early cases where okay. it hadn't been filtered through enough bodies, you know. So they're not as effective as they once were, uh, which uh, ties into just a little brief thing I want to want to mention before we uh, get into this documentary and our topic for today's podcast. Uh, ties into unsolved mysteries, volume season one, volume two, season two, whatever <laughs> the hell you want to call it. I think it's called volume two. Okay. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I know that you're not a fan of it. Man, I've seen two episodes. So far. I've seen two episodes so far. The first one was okay. It was about some um, political figure. I forget his name. Uh, he helped establish the veterans something or other. 
And he was a known figure uh, in in the political mm-hmm. world, and he his body turned up in a landfill, and they kind of went through how that could have happened. But at the you know the being as the show's titled Unsolved Mysteries, there's never any resolution. And yeah. I just I was just like, man, this is okay. But literally, the opening segment on the first season was a guy who for whatever reason, jumped off the top of a fucking yeah. hotel. You know, like, what a compelling story that is. That's more mis- That's more mysterious. That's more no, something... Know, no pun intended. Yeah, that's more something the old show would have definitely covered. And they would have covered this one, too, but, man... Uh, then I watched the second episode, and it's literally about this woman who killed herself, or apparently killed herself. There, that There's an argument there that this the some intelligence agency did it. Um, her body was found in a hotel room. No one knows her name. She's a Jane Doe. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't see this being a whole 43 minutes. And it was a whole 43 minutes. And it was so boring that when it came time to watch some TV, I had a choice of watching Unsolved Mysteries or something else. I ended up choosing the second thing because I li- just was not looking forward to watching another episode of the new season they've just been really boring so far the biggest problem is that these these cases don't need to be fucking almost 45 minutes long no there's no need for it there's a reason why the old show had multiple segments in an hour show and it was perfect a perfect length um the cases where there was more juice like the martin luther king case was like i think the whole episode perhaps uh just because there was so many conspiracy theories and facts and weird things that happened and you know martin luther king was obviously uh, martin luther king jr was obviously a huge figure in the civil rights movement all that so that made sense but to take you know a jane doe case where there's not a whole lot of information and it's really focusing on this reporter who has this weird obsession with solving this case. Um, it's just, it's following him around as he's going to these small towns in Europe mm-hmm. asking, have you seen this person? No? Okay, thank you. I mean, that's really the whole documentary. Yeah. Or the whole so, show. So, I mean. Now you understand, you know, my my point of view on this show. I mean, for season mysteries. two, yeah, but for, se- for season honestly, two, honestly, yeah. season two was making season one look really damn good. Because season one, <laughs> I actually I liked the Alonzo, uh, whatever his name, Lorenzo, the No Ride Home. I really liked that one. I liked the first episode. Is I, it Brooks? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I liked the last episode with the Lena chick who went who went missing and the evil mom. I mean, that was, those are there was some genuinely yeah. good. Uh, cases, and then they had the god awful UFO one, which they just... were decent, but they still, to me, they still some of them uh, still suffered. A lot of them still suffered from being a little bit too long, and that's a, that's a problem that seems like it's just still pretty prevalent here. Yeah, um, I mean, and even more so in season two. So I'll, I'll give it a watch sometime, but there are other things that I I, w- I have on my plate. And I would rather watch, uh, including, you know, older Unsolved Mysteries episodes, because I finally finished season 11, so 
Um, and and I, I, I thought I saw some pretty decent, interesting cases or some fun stuff that we can cover in the future. The, the, the um, thing is to me is, is like John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer uh, have effectively been, uh, and I don't, you know, I'm just speculating here. I could be wrong, but it, it appears to me that they've been out of the game with documentaries and docu-series mm-hmm. and Netflix and all the true crime stuff that's come from the streaming services. And podcasts. And podcasts. <laughs> they've, been, they've been out of the game for, you know, a few decades yeah. now because uh, the revamp with Dennis Farina, there was nothing new about that show. They just hired people to build a new set and probably give Dennis Farina some, some you know, direction as uh, producers mm-hmm. and all that. But they weren't really building anything new they were recycling old cases so they've been out of the game their for... experience was those youtube videos which are like really short and bad uh they were badly yeah. produced but yeah that's you know a whole nother thing but so basically my point is in the last 20 years all these other people all these other entities all these other production companies have stepped up the game with some really good documentaries that are on uh, Netflix and and Hulu, but mainly Netflix, I think, is the main one. I don't know of uh, any must-see documentary on Hulu that comes to mind. But uh, the, Well, wasn't the Fire Festival documentary on Hulu? It was on Hulu, and um, there, were, there were two different versions for... There was a different... There was one version on Hulu and one version on Netflix. Apparently, the one on Netflix spun it in a little bit more of a positive light, and the one on Hulu was the better one. The one on Hulu was better. It was the one that was a more realistic, like, this is what happened. We Um, covered both, if I remember correctly, and the one on Hulu was significantly better than the one on Netflix. The one on Netflix is pretty forgettable and, like, just, oh, it's positive. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the the day, though, Netflix does better on the documentaries and the docuseries. And honestly, I would much rather... Well, Hulu has the option to add channels, to. Well, actually, Amazon is the one that adds channels. You can add the true crime channel to Amazon. Yeah, I, I have a whole other story about that, where my dad accidentally added HBO, Showtime, and Cinemax to my goddamn Amazon. <laughs> and I didn't even know it for three years, and they were charging me like uh, 30 or 40 bucks a month for these subscriptions hey, I was sorry. never using. That's just... that's. And I, I, I your, uh... literally had I when I checked my credit card statements, it went all the way back to like 2017. I'm like, holy fucking shit, Dad! If you weren't already dead, what, I would kill you. <laughs> like, that's why you just gotta check. You just gotta check your. I your well, statements. yeah, well, you know, hindsight's 2020. But no. So anyway, my point is, is that um, <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries is doing a poor job in competing with uh, a lot of these other docu series that are honestly way better. They're just more on top of their yep. game and. Um, you know, that's I think that they should have done more of an anthology format because then they could have not necessarily the highest uh, grade uh, series of cases. But if you had an anthology format, then you could only you only really needed to have interviews and enough content for 10, 15 minutes. So then you could make that as compelling as and interesting as it possibly could be without all of the dead air or uh, all of these other things that are really holding, it seems like, uh, uh, the episodes that you've seen so far uh, back when it comes to the to Volume 2. Um, because even in the original Unsolved Mysteries, like there were cases that th- th- they wouldn't be as compelling or interesting. They'd be boring if they were stretched out to 40 to 45 minutes yeah 
Yeah, I mean, like the even good cases, even some really good cases. I mean, in episode you know? two of season two, you 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 literally got a cameraman following around this journalist to this like random city in Germany or wherever. Yeah, you were talking about that, yeah. And, and it's just like, you know, it's like really, are we doing this right now? Like, it's padding. It is padding, padding. because they're not even fine. Like nothing interesting comes of that scene. It's, it's that's like History Channel kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. It just sucks because like Unsolved Mysteries, you know, you would think uh, they're coming in as like the grandfather of this genre and you'd think that they'd be coming in and be like, let me show you kids how it's done. And it's just kind of an example of, you know, the student has become the teacher because. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the student becoming the teacher. Um, yeah. So uh, the podcast uh, uh, that they're going to do. Oh, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> did you read that? I didn't read anything about that. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to do a podcast. It's going to be, what, bi-weekly or something? Or is it weekly? Um, and they're producing it, and they're going to cover cases, and cases that aren't necessarily on the new show. And I'm like, oh, now you're doing a podcast. Uh, you were just mad. You were just mad and pissy that we were doing it first, that we had the idea, and you didn't. And now you're now you're finally catching on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, after there's been like our podcast, another podcast, another probably like two or three more podcasts after that about the show. Well, you know, I mean, in all fairness, uh, the only thing they were angry about was that we were using uh, their assets, like the well, yeah, but their but logo I, and know, their opening music or whatever. I'm just, I'm being, I'm being a little sarcastic here and having some fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I saw someone else say something like, "Oh, you know, now they're okay with it," and it's like, well, they weren't not okay with us uh, doing a podcast about their show. They just didn't want us using clips from their show and music and the thumbnail, which I totally get because it, it is co- yeah, it, it is that. copyright infringement. You know, that that's like if someone, you know, did did a, a podcast about my band and they were using my music and my uh, art as their cover and, and they got no permission from me whatsoever. I mean, I would have a problem with that and I would probably send a cease and desist letter uh, as as well, you know, because the... Well, see, the biggest problem came when they saw we had a Patreon, so we were making money um, off. So if we hadn't had the Patreon, they might not not have even said anything to us. And I think that would be the same thing with me if someone did a podcast, say about my band. If they weren't uh, if they weren't making money off of it, I would let them. Yeah. I would let them use all that, and I wouldn't it's care. Ju- it's just yeah, it just ties right into the whole thing where you're talking about student becoming the teacher because they're so late in the game with doing their own official podcast. Oh yeah, I know. You know, where they, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if I'm even going to listen to it, but uh, it's going to be interesting how they're going to, you know, pull that off and and maintain an audience for that long. Like they might get like uh, initially, you know, a a big boost to people, but if they don't grab them right from the beginning, then they're just going to be like, I don't just, I don't really care about this podcast, even though it's the official Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Yeah, they're and I'm wondering if they're going to go after more of these other podcasters uh, because they have their own official podcast right now. 
I don't know. I'm hoping that we made some small dent in their mentality that it's not good to go after people who are like trying to actively promote a debt like a 20 year old dead show <laughs> and keep interest in it, especially when you plan on reviving it. Like maybe they've learned their lesson that like maybe that's not the best idea in the world to attack fans of something that that no one essentially cared about anymore. Um, I hope that's the case. But, and you know, I don't know. We'll see. So, Mike, I speaking of Netflix, I was on Netflix the other day, and this was before season two came out. And I'm like, I want to watch something. I want to watch a documentary. Yeah. Like, what? What can I watch? And I'm just looking at the recommended for you, and I see this like generic ass title for a documentary. Yeah, this poster and this poster is awful. And I'm like, this. Li-, I was like, man, is this ripped from the Investigation Discovery Channel? Is this just some? Yeah. This some generic bobo ass. Which I've already explained. American murder. I've already explained the family what the, next door. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've explained what the term "bobo" is for those who don't live in the South. "Bobo" basically just means rip off. Um, it was because it was news to Mike when I first used that term a long time ago. But anyway, I was like, "Man, you know, all right." And then I read the description, and it was intriguing because it, it was basically uh, in the name of the the documentary was uh, "American Murder." Uh, was it Nightmare Next Door or something? The Family Next no, Door. I'm, uh, Ameri- the Family Next Door. American Murder, yeah. The Family Next Door. I'm like, okay, that's about as generic of a title as it gets. And then the poster is just like a uh, graphic of a lie detector, you know, sheet. <clears throat> right. And it's just like, all right, whatever, I'll give it a shot. Because I read the description and it was basically like saying how there's footage of everything like not Mm -hmm. there's there's not interviews where people's opinions get thrown in the mix and taint things there's no narration it's literally just going off of uh video so there's this family um shenan which is like a tongue twister of a fucking name yeah but so before you get into uh talking about the documentary i want to provide a little more details from the technical standpoint. So it's directed by Janie Popplewell. Uh, uh, apparently some production company called Knickerbocker Glory produced it. It's around 82 minutes and it actually goes by at a really quick pace because it's genuinely very compelling and, and really draws you in. Um, the music was, you know, the typical kind of stuff for this kind of thing. So it wasn't really anything that special. It was well edited by Simon Barker. Um, what really makes this uh, documentary stand out from a lot of other true crime documentaries is the fact that you have all this footage. So you have body cam fo- uh, footage from police officers, uh, cell phone footage, you know, uh, stuff from Facebook accounts and different social media, um, the uh, confession, you know, videos from the police department, and so on and so forth. So it really does make the events and everything that's going on feel a little more personal, even though you really don't know these people at all. But it, it really uh, has a way of uh, latching on to you because you get all this detail. You see things in a light that's more familiar and, and more real than a reenactment, for instance. Well, it's, it's, you, it's like, a, you, you know, you're or just an interview. What's interesting about it is is the family uh, is comprised of Shanann, uh, her husband, Chris, and their two daughters. 
And it basically starts out with uh, Shanann, who it, she takes so many videos of her family and she does so many like Facebook live streams of just menial kind of, you know, fly on the wall type things like, uh, you know, making cookies or playing the kids playing with the husband. And she's yeah. she's almost like this would be like YouTube vlogger, you know, like just almost like the uh, the Shaytards or whatever back in the day. <laughs> um, well, no, there there still are a lot of seriously successful YouTube vloggers that just strictly uh, do family content. Yeah, like a day in the life and, of our family, you know, and that's what she was essentially doing. It's a you know she, she they clearly live in a nice house, nice suburban house, kind of the American dream for a lot of people. Colorado, Colorado she built it herself with her bare hands. Yeah, I did she though like. I no, I just Maybe? I just want to add that for for uh, dr- yeah. dramatic effect. Like she literally just yeah. Well, she says that she she built it all herself, but then you look at that house and you're like, I don't know if you did that all by yourself. But if you did, congrats. She might have. Um, but I mean, th- she might have played The Sims a lot as a kid growing up. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you play, but you, I mean, you, you play you just The Sims the- and you get really good at designing houses. <laughs> If you just look at that house, like all the brickwork, all this other stuff, like I, maybe. She probably meant that she designed um, it and then some, you know, I don't, yeah, she obviously did, yeah. she didn't build it, you know. Didn't build it with She's her a bare stupid hands woman. And- Women can't do that shit. That's what men do. No, I'm just joking. I just wanted to offend some people by saying something shocking just then. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I know. That's crazy, right? And I just like being extreme sometimes. I was completely joking. What's next? Are you going to come out as a Republican? Like Chris Pratt? <laughs> Chris Pratt's getting canceled because he's a Republican. Yeah, I, I mean, pretty much <laughs> any any like uh, uh, Hollywood support for Donald Trump right now will get you canceled because there is such a fever pitch level of hatred for him by the left right now that it's like could, i'm not a big i'm not a fan of him either but like let people have their own opinions yeah, it I doesn't mean, make I, them yeah, bad I mean, people i understand oh, why gosh. sir i understand why people like trump i understand why people hate trump you know anyway not yeah. to, not to get off on that fucking rabbit trail so anyway <laughs> so you're just like my whole like my josh reaction as i'm watching this is i'm just like okay you know because it opens up with like um like footage of their ho- and, and see we're going to get a lot more of these documentaries in the future because you know people are getting these security systems cheaper now that have cameras yep. everywhere police are using body cams uh people yep. are constantly recording videos and this was a huge hit like this was this set records for Netflix. it did like one of their most wa- watched uh shows or uh, movies like ever i mean people have a craving for reality and reality tv mm-hmm. we all know is scripted uh, but this is truly, really real. Like, this is all 100% real, and you're seeing it in real time. It's not, uh, like I said earlier, it's not people being interviewed after the fact, or, you know, with hindsight being 2020 and all that. It's it's literally yeah. footage of these there things that are going things down. There are some things that are left out, but that's how it is in a lot of true crime documentaries. Yeah, I mean, in, in this... You... And let me just say, like, props to the people who made this documentary for making it one documentary, like what, like maybe, uh, was it 90 minutes? An hour, yeah, it was an hour and 23 hour minutes. Hour 23 minutes? 27 minutes. Mwah, yeah. Perfect. Like, I wish more people would, would go back to doing that. I'm so sick of docu-series. I'm so sick of them. <laughs> Four parts. Yeah, I'm like, Tiger King, <laughs> to me, was the best example of how documentaries have gotten way too bloated. 
on Netflix and other places now. I don't need a fucking docu-series on air. Not everything needs to be that over-explained. Sometimes it, it's nice to leave the audience wondering about certain things and for you to seek out that information yourself. Here's the stuff they didn't tell you, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't need every last motherfucking lover that the Tiger King guy had and what their life was like. And it's just like, God damn. <laughs> so I was so like glad that this documentary was one solitary thing that just stood on its own. Hour 20, fantastic. Um, but anyway, so I'm watching this and I'm thinking like, God damn, this is such a idyllic family. What could go wrong? It's wholesome. But you, you know, wholesome family, yeah. But you know some shit's about to go wrong because they're showing this ominous, like, outside of their front door cam footage yeah. of her walking or her coming home from a business trip. And then all of a sudden the next day, you, you they have this graphic in this uh, documentary where these text messages will pop up on the screen. Yes. Um, and they're actual... They did a really good job with that. They did. And, and I, also, I also like how they structured uh, the passage of time. It was very different. It wasn't from, you know, this point to this point to this point. They played around with the timeline. So you would have, you know, a little bit of backstory about the home life and, and Shanann and, and all of this and, and Chris and so on and so forth. And then you'd have little bits and pieces, little morsels of like what's going on. Like she went missing. Well, they save, they, so the kids. They save all. They- and then they go into, of course, the whole, you know, she's been missing for this amount of time. So you'd be like, three days later or whatever but then like by the time you get closer to the end of the documentary they do the whole like uh days after you know the you know what happened and or days before what happened which was really different that's the part that really you know i thought made that the structure of time really interesting is you would have like days before what happened happening near the end of the documentary Instead they, of yeah, you know, they, sti- in the they stitch it together in, the in, in a way that that keeps it the most cohesive and the most relevant pieces of information are given to you at the right times. Instead of just giving you things as they happen, and you have to just remember, oh, earlier in the documentary they said this. No, they 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 kind of give the things to you. Yeah, when I, I think when it can still work that way, but I think the the way that it's set up, it it it. it, it makes things more compelling throughout and interesting because they're just kind of giving you breadcrumbs. Yeah. You know, throughout until you get to the, the, the reveal to the, to the real shocking stuff. And then you're, and then you're, so it does enough to keep you interested and glued to the screen to be like, okay, what's going to happen. Right. And then, then it tells you what, what actually happened at the right point. Instead of other documentaries that were like, here's what happened, you know, and then you already know what happens and, you know, who did it. But then they're just going back. Right. They just, yeah, they get they backtrack. And how did we get to this point? And, and the whole time yeah. you're watching it knowing, well, that person's going to die. That person's going to die. And, you know, so it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I'm watching this documentary, when I first started watching, I thought, well, maybe she'll, you know, maybe she's going to emerge later in the documentary and be like, you know, um, we found her and she'd been cheating on me. You didn't really know what direction yeah. it was going in. Cause I tried not to read the description of the, I didn't want it. I hate how sometimes like uh, Netflix will just straight up spoil 
<laughs> like yeah. what happens uh, in the description of the documentary before you even fucking watch the thing. But anyway, going back to what happened. It would just be like, uh, this is the case of uh, blah, 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 who murdered me. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> this was the case of the Freedmen's. Their father was a pedophile and was filming his children. And it's like, well, you're just ruined any, any you know, the surprise, any buildup before we find yeah. out what really happened. Capturing, I tend to just forget that shit. Like, I'm a guy who could watch a trailer for a movie and then forget the trailer by the time I see the film. So, you know. I just that find it, I find it annoying. Like, um... I would like okay. For instance, like if you saw spoiler alert, if you saw um, the Sixth Sense and someone told you that hey, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time, like, but he doesn't know it, that would have completely ruined that movie. You know what I mean? Well, I I knew that though before I saw it, and it it was it was still effective the first time around, but the second time around it's it's not and i think that's just the problem with the way that film is set up I like thought, once you know what the twist I is thought that it was just a fucking, really that's that's a, i thought that was a great movie man i'm not i think it's i think it's a solid film it's just not a film to me that's as strong you know with repeated viewing right because it's one of those things where it's like oh okay it's it's all this big setup for the twist that's why i'm not super big on m night Shyamalan. Or I like to call M. Night Shyamalama Yeah, Ding-Dong I was going to say, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong had so much fucking potential because, in the early days. Yeah, because it just relies the over this over-reliance upon the twist in his story. Um, thankfully, this documentary doesn't really handle things that yeah, way. Yeah, so anyway. It handles it in the right way. Um, so, so Shanann, uh, her friend, do you remember the friend's name by chance? Ah, oh, fuck. Um... You could probably look it up on IMDb. Anyway, that, have, the like, friend's the name isn't the, super. Lo- it's not super important, but Mike will probably look it up as I'm explaining here. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Um, so the friend is uh, like is texting Shanann, and, and like I said, her, the texts appear on the screen, uh, so you can actually see kind of like in real time, like you know her texting, which is an interesting effect that I thought really added a lot to uh, the documentary. And she's like, you know, hey, like uh, haven't heard from you. Are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. She's not really getting any response from Shanann. And, um, you know, even Chris, her husband, is messaging like, hey, I'm getting home at 12. I hope you're there. Um, The concerned friend and her... Nicole, I think. Nicole, okay. So Nicole and her husband go over to Shanann's house, knocking on the door. There's no answer. Um, the, The friend, just being so overly concerned... Um, calls the police. The police show up. They can't really gain entrance to the house until the husband gets home. Chris gets home and is like, you know, seems mildly concerned, and he allows the police to come in. Um, the police are searching the house. They're not really seeing anything that is, um, you know, like a break-in or anything like that. Yeah. But the Chris notice Chris notices that her cell phone is missing, and he says that that's her lifeline. You know, she always has her cell that phone. That ties on. in really well in like the last five minutes of this movie. Yeah. So this, the whole thing with the cell the phone. cell phone's missing. The ch- the the his daughters are missing. Her daughter's blankets are missing. Where they would never go anywhere without their blankets. So it's it's appearing as something nefarious is happening whether Shanann left or whatever. And then the neighbor, 
Chris's neighbor says, oh, well, I have footage uh, from my security cam. They look at the footage. Um, there's a truck that is um, in the driveway or something or, or outside of the driveway that looks very similar to Chris's truck, but they're not sure. And, um, you know, Chris the whole time is, is you know, just acting, you know, He's acting concerned, maybe not overly so, but who's to say how someone should react? A little react? distraught. A little distraught. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, but, uh, interesting. I think it's the the his neighbor. Yeah, or... I was about to mention. Interestingly enough, the neighbor who has the security footage tells the police as soon as Chris walks out of the house. Uh, he he tells the police he Chris ain't he's he's not acting right. He's like I, I've never seen him act like this. And the police officer's like, well, I mean, how would you act in this situation if, with, if your wife and kid? He's like, I understand that, but he's fidgety, he's blah, blah, blah. He's like, and, and, and when I saw that, when I first saw it, I was like, ah, typical fucking nosy neighbor, just asserting yeah. asserting their inane uh-huh. hypotheses, trying to be Mr. Sherlock Holmes here. Oh, he's not acting yeah. right. Now, I, honestly, I was a little annoyed with the neighbor because I'm like, man, these people just... Jump to fucking conclusions so soon. But with the added context. Oh, he seems like a genius, but, you know, <laughs> not trying to spoil anything here, but, uh, no, I mean, the, both the fucking concern, uh, Shanann's friend and the neighbor both seem like the, they're, they're both the MVPs at the end of this one. But anyway, um, yeah. So Chris is like going on, on the news media and, and uh, with this hollow eyed, dead eyed stare into the yeah, camera. That, that really, uh, kind of when I first saw the interviews and stuff, and especially the one that they showed uh, near the end of the documentary, um, I was kind of I was getting that vibes of okay, this this is kind of uh, fake, yeah, you know, they get that kind of fake feel. Shanann, wherever you are, please come home. Just please come home. The house the house is so empty without you and the girls. I I just. I just want you guys to come home safe. And so are my eyes. Yeah. You know, it's just dead. dead the, the house is as vacant as the stare in my eyes. You know, so, you know, he's 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 doing all this. And he hasn't been that emotional, like, throughout. And, and it's one of those things that's like, okay, that's a red flag. Doesn't necessarily mean 100% that he did it. You know, could, he should just be really antisocial. Could have been really nervous in front of the camera or something. You know, stuff like that happens. But, you know, um, the flags were raised up at that moment when I saw that interview, because I was just like, eh. so I don't know. He's in, he's he's brought in to be interrogated and the police start off by asking, do you know, is there any guy in her life or anything like that or girl or girl? And he's like, yeah. no, no, not that I know of what whatever, blah, 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 this, that and the other. And he's like, well, I, I have to ask this, man. I have to go in this direction. Uh, you know, you're looking pretty good, man. You look you look really fit. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. You know, I've, 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 you know, been working on it, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know. He's been working out. You know, he was 245 pounds when he married yeah, her. Yeah, and then they. And he's like down to 185. And they even show pictures of him, you know, when he was a, a yeah. thicker guy. And, and now he's clearly in really good shape and all that. And. The inve- ripped. The investigator says, you know, normally men do this when they're about to have an affair. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's, it's nothing like that. Then we kind of cut to Shanann having to visit North Carolina to see uh, her parents. 
And I, what doesn't like Chris's family live there too? Chris's family lives there too. Okay, so she's over there visiting. Chris has to, he can't go because he's got to work or something like that. But eventually he ends up going out there. So while she's out there, um, the, the, one of their daughters has a severe allergy to some kind of like peanut or something like that. Pistachio. You almond. know, they don't actually mention what it is. It's just some, it's just, uh, and something that she's allergic to. So, and, uh, the, mo- the, the mother in law, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? She, uh, apparently got ice cream that had, you know, the ingredients in it. And there was an argument, uh, between Shanann and, and Chris's mom. And things got pretty heated. And uh, then she tried to get Chris to call his dad and tell uh, his dad that, you know, his wife should, you know, not do that and blah, 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 blah. You know, the whole sort of thing, like, you know, protect the kids. Yeah, basically, like, she was freaking out. And she's like, you need to grow a set of balls and stop being such a chicken shit, uh, you know, with your parents and tell them that, you know, they almost killed your uh, daughter and blah, blah. And he's like, I will. I totally will. I'm sorry. And so what What we're seeing now is Shanann being painted. We don't know if he ever did. Right. Like, whether he did or didn't. Yeah. It, it, besides the point. We're, we're seeing yeah, it's irrelevant. Shanann it being really painted matter, but... as kind of this domineering uh, person. And Chris is just essentially trying to pacify her, basically just to get it shut her up. That he's not, yeah. he's not trying to argue with her right now. And, and soon we'll find out why he's not trying to argue with her. Eventually, uh-huh. he makes it to North Carolina to reunite with the family, and we see through text correspondence between Shanann and Nicole, she's saying things like, he's been so cold and distant, he hasn't seen us in two... He won't grab my ass. Yeah, he's seen us, he's seen us, he hasn't seen us in two weeks, and he gives yeah. me just a peck on the lips when he arrives at the airport. You know, doesn't grab my ass, doesn't put his arms around me, doesn't do anything, I'm so frustrated right now. Um, and you know, she's just trying, I appreciated how candid the, you know, the documentary was when it comes to these conversations, it really helped, uh, it feel more real. Yeah, it's, it's this is how people talk. I mean, this is just how people talk you and know, it's, it, 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 you know, it humanizes he fuck it. me, you know, he won't grab my ass, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It means the kind of things that I say to Mike, uh, or I say to people about Mike, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, that upsets me. So I could, I, I could relate to this, this person. <laughs> But Nicole was trying to be, you know, she was trying to be the good friend and, 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 and assure her and be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's nothing and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and Shanann's like, well, we'll see how things go. And I mean, then they show like footage taken of them at the beach and uh, Chris is there with the daughters and they're playing in the waves and this, that and the other. And, um, you know, they're not really having sex and they... Um, I mean, she's going all out. Like you know, she she does the whole, you know, uh, take a shower, then you know, lay naked, try to get him to do you know, uh, do the dirty, and then he's like, nope, he's not in the mood or whatever, not in the mood or whatever. And uh, that's you know, understandably, she starts to be like, okay, all right, that something's not right. And she's here. like crying about it. it. She's texting her friend. She's like, yeah. I'm bawling my eyes right now, right out right now. He's like. You know, I like, is he seeing someone else? Then we've been together for eight years. He's like, we've been together for eight years and we've never, you know, he's never been this distant. He's never been like this with right. me. Right. Which would lead anyone to believe that 
you know, some oh for sure is going. On. I also I think of it, I, I like some of the quirks, you know, in in uh in her text messages that really does uh, give you a little bit more about who she is. You know, where she sometimes she'll swear, but then other times she'll be like ducking. Yeah, you know? uh-huh. like she doesn't want to actually say the word fucking. Well, no, that's that's so not just, like, that's not her yeah. being uh, censoring herself. The, that's goddamn. That's her personality. No, yeah. it's not her personality either. It's it's a fucking iPhone autocorrect. Uh, Oh, uh, it, I think Androids do it too. Uh-huh. Anytime you try to say fucking on uh, through text message, it auto it auto corrects it to ducking. It's so frustrating. I, I oh, finally okay. found I, I did not know that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought it was just a you know personality. No, part. no, no. That's something that's very frustrating. That it, the all phones do. You, there is a way you can go on iPhones. There's a way you can go into the. Um, there's a certain menu you can go into and you can literally add it to the vocabulary fucking and any other curse word that you want it to not change. That's crazy. Yeah. So I had to go in and I added fuck, fucked, fucking, you know, fuckery, (laughs) anything that I use, any slang that I use that I because you can like type in like any bad word and it'll auto correct it to something else. Um, so I, I just went in and added like, like you want to say shit and then it shucks. Yeah, so like, no. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, shut. It'll change it to shut. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's, wow. that's what, but again, it kept it more real. Cause it's like, okay, they're even keeping the errors in there because we've all at this point in the 21st century have experienced typing out the word fucking and it changes it to ducking and it's really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, at that point, they go back to Colorado, and um, what she has a business trip when they get yeah to Arizona. Yes, with Nicole. Okay, so yeah, so as soon as they get back, they have to, she has to. I think they're back for a little bit, and then there's the business trip. I think there's a little bit more time that goes by because she talks about things like he's more he's being distant more. Like, he just wants to do his push-up challenge, doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Um, Then there's the other stuff. Even before, you know, he came to North Carolina and wasn't, you know, giving her attention and giving her uh, affection, uh, she was talking about, you know, she was upset, understandably, like, why he isn't answering, you know, the phone. He's not answering the phone, you know, uh, he's not doing FaceTime with with his girls, you know. That kind of stuff, and he's just you he's know, just being be, like a complete, uh, just beta male, ghost. and and being he's fucking ghosting her. He's just being a complete beta, like oh, I'm so sorry, I should have. But and that's how it appears on the surface, and 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 that's one of the narratives that's painted is that oh well, he's just you know she was the domineering one, and he was just yeah. this kind of beta male. I mean, because there were people in in his family that thought that about well her. and they even show this video where like he's dressed up as santa and he like opens the door and she's like he's like hey i'm santa and she's like where's the phone he's like uh it's in the yeah. laundry room and she's like uh, great cool uh well just hold on because you screwed up again and blah blah blah, blah. and so there is they they yeah that was pretty bad to be they, honest they, they do th- not yeah they do throw in these yeah. like little red herrings in the documentary that make you think like well she's just a controlling bitch and he poor guy you know they do throw those in there to- and then they have like uh audio of like i don't know who it is it's some other podcast maybe or somebody you know talk about the case and uh or a video from like the face one of the many facebook groups at the time you know where people were trying to be like chris is innocent so they they tie that in 
with you know this audio from these two uh, gals. I think they're best friends or something, or podcasters, and they're, they're like, "Chris is innocent. She's just a bitch." You know that sort of no, thing. No, it was it was, like, a, it was like a news uh, station. No, or, that wasn't a news station that was doing that. They showed uh, some clips from a news station, but then they also put uh, some audio over clearly from some Facebook group conversation or a podcast because they don't speak that candidly on a on a news station, especially without bleeps, <laughs> you know, uh, so that, that you had because there were the news station was talking about the Facebook group. And I think they might have like had some audio from the Facebook group, but it wasn't actually someone that was a part of the news anchor or a part of the news station that was saying those things. Yeah, so that's that's one of the like I said, one of the little red herrings they drop in the documentary where they try to paint She's her a domineering bitch, you know. Yeah, yeah, like you know, so like poor guy, um, you know, whatever. So he plays into that too later on. Yeah. So so she um, she comes back from her business trip. He picks her up from the airport at like. I don't know, so, like late in the night. The, they both go to sleep, so the story goes. He goes to work, and then eight hours later, she's no, you know, he comes back and she's nowhere to be found. So, what happened yep. between the time when he brought her back from her? Because you see her on the uh, door cam footage of her coming yeah. back, walking into the door of the house. And it was 2 a.m. 2 a.m. It was 2 a.m. Yeah, after she got I back it from was, the, uh, the Arizona I thought trip. it was 2 a.m. So she's, so, yeah. so she's, you know, she enters and we see her and now she's missing. And mm-hmm. that's where it kind of picks back up with the cops being called and all this other jazz. So, so far we know that he's not showing interest in his wife anymore. The happy kind of bucolic uh, nuclear family unit that is presented in the video footage in the beginning of the documentary is starting to turn more gray. Uh, they start getting into, um, before this, uh, uh, her absence, uh, she's straight up uh, getting in his face about, are you cheating on me? Who's the other woman? You're not fucking me anymore. What's going on? He's blowing yeah. it all off. He's more interested in exercise and working out than he is with the children and he's becoming more distant, and she's missing. Now, cut to uh, him being interrogated, and finally, they... He's doing his whole, like, no, Yeah, he's just, no, I I just, I don't know what could have happened. Then they start pursuing the angle of, well, are you having an affair? Do a lie detector. No, I'm not having an affair. Would you be interested in taking a polygraph test? And instantly, he says yes. And it's like, all right. I mean, he he didn't even hesitate. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. No. Which is interesting. Um, and the person who was administrating the lie detector test, she was uh, even like, you know, if you are at all guilty. It would be really dumb for you to take this right now yeah. if you're guilty. So <laughs> exactly. she's like, she's like setting all this up. She's like. Yeah, he's like, ah, yeah, I'm just nervous because you know I've never. She's like, oh, I totally understand. You know, she's she's being all good cop, bad cop. At first, she's good cop. She's like, oh no, I totally understand. It's totally weird, but it's just you know everything will be fine. Just take a deep breath, and you know, blah blah blah. And um, she even has him stop at one point halfway through and take more breaths to do the yeah because do the te- you know to finish the test. It, yeah, she tells him before she starts. She's like, you know, she's like, the good thing is after this is all over. 
in uh, right now only one person in this room knows the truth but after the polygraph two people in this room will know the truth and it would be really dumb for you but, to take this polygraph if, if yeah. you did anything wrong. So, you know. And here's the thing with polygraphs. Uh, even false tests aren't 100% accurate. So, you know, polygraphs aren't admissible in court usually because they're not very reliable. But that being said, like the average uh, uh, of a negative test is like negative four. Um, he failed his test spectacularly. His the the uh, the percentage was like negative eighteen. He was having like this he was like almost having like a panic attack. Uh, well, there's even moments where he's like, "Did you cheat? What is she like? Did she say something about have you ever had a altercation of any kind with you know a loved one?" And he's like, "Yes, uh, no, no, no." Like at that moment, I was like, "Hmm." Yeah, uh, he's definitely not telling the truth. Because <laughs> he literally just made up a lie right then and there. Yeah. And so he's just like, yes, no. <laughs> so then um, the investigator comes in after the test is over, and he's like, all right, Chris, so we wanted to talk to you about the results of your polygraph. And the woman's like, uh, yeah, you failed miserably on this test, Chris. Uh, you You just completely failed like pretty much every single question and he's like well i was i was nervous and the investigator just interrupts he's like chris chris come on man like it, it's it's time to be honest just just tell us what happened we we all know that that you're lying and you know we know that you failed this polygraph test yeah like, and then that's when the documentary drops uh uh the first bomb that uh, he was absolutely 100% cheating on his wife. Well, not only that, with uh, but he starts freaking out. and Well, he does that later. Yeah. Because they give, they give you the information about uh, Nico or, or Nicole, which is confusing because there's two Nicoles. Um, so you actually hear from her. You hear an interview with a little bit of an interview with her about, you know, meeting Chris and they show photos of her with Chris and some video with her. And she's talking about, you know, he's just really great and cool and da 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 da. And I'm really happy to be here with him. Uh, You really felt bad for her. I think she changed her name after this. Oh, I don't feel I don't. After learning some uh, extra details about her, I don't feel bad for the bitch at all. Um, oh, okay. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, there's some details that weren't in the documentary that I'll tell you about, but... Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just going off of what... Yeah, right. Yeah, and, 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 and if you just you watched know. the doc, I could I could totally see how, you know, she would seem like... And she was a victim to a certain extent. I mean, for sure. I won't deny that, but she definitely... Let's just say she definitely capitalized and was very... Uh, uh, cunning and conniving in uh, some of the decisions that she made. Um, but anyway, okay, yeah, so now this other woman finally comes into the picture. He finally comes clean about this chick that he meets at his work. And well, he didn't come clean. Uh, she comes clean to the, you know, to the documentary filmmakers in the form of like the editing that they put together. Well, how exactly did it happen? Did she talk to the investigators and then the investigators came in armed with the knowledge? Yes, yes. And and, and told him we already know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this they knew before he even okay. took the test that 
that he was uh, having. An so affair. this woman he meets at his work, um, he starts cheating, you know, having an affair with her, falls madly in love with her. Apparently, um, there's she's younger than than uh, his wife. You know the usual. Yeah, she's uh, very fit. I mean, she's uh, she's in mm-hmm. really good fucking shape. Um, fake tits, you know, the whole nine. Yoga. Yeah, I mean, flexible. She's, she, yeah. you know, she's. She's like a like probably like mid thirties, but she's she looks great. She was doing like sand surfing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. like then you come, then you find out like while uh, Shanann and the kids were in North Carolina, they were like sand surfing and yeah, all all yeah. the most slimiest shit you could you could yes. think of in any affair. Yeah. Where like, and he was lying to her. He was doing the whole oh, uh, you know, I'm going to be separated from my wife, you know, that whole sort of thing. Yeah, just do, doing the total, uh, like, snake, double-talking jive, motherfucker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing the whole, yeah, you know, we're getting divorced. And, Things aren't working out. And, and and he even, knowing that he was going to have to go to North Carolina, there's just no way that he could get away with not going he One of the, the deals he makes with his mistress is that he promises not to have sex with Shanann when he's in North Carolina. Hence his not having sex with Shanann in North Carolina and him him Uh doing push-ups in the hotel room instead. Um, So he, yeah, so he's having this secret affair with, um, with Nico. And uh, I mean, it, it, it even gets so to the point to where he gives so little of a shit at, at one point for that. His wife finds out he goes to this restaurant bar. He says that he's going to a Dodgers game. Yeah. But and he just goes to this restaurant and bar it's called like this the salty dog or something like that. Yeah, it, it literally yeah, looks like, like that, a yeah. glorified like Chili's or Applebee's, and it's just like I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is like the completely like white gentrified bar and grill, like someone who it lives in the suburbs would go to. I just I, there's there's a few places like that at this place called the Town Center in Jacksonville, just completely uppity. Probably the drinks are probably like uh-huh. super expensive there. Um, not not the shitty cocaine fueled dive bars that I like to go to. Um, so he spends sixty five dollars on their joint account at this restaurant. Yeah. Shanann sees this statement and starts talking it over with her friend Nicole, and she's like, "You know, he said he got a burger and some drinks. That should be like thirteen. He's got a steak. Yeah, that, steak should, that should be like thirty dollars at most. 30, Where's yeah. he, where'd the other thirty dollars go?" And at that point, he just doesn't even care anymore. He's just like, whatever. No, not at all. I mean, he also was caught on camera with her or something at the at the gas station. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting, getting money snacks or whatever. to pay the babysitter. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, so the interrogator, you know, he finally brings up all this. And he's, you know, he's like, he admits to it. And then it becomes like, all right, so what happened to Shanann? And... Then he starts. He doesn't want to talk to an investigator. No, he starts freaking out. He starts getting emotional. He's like, "Can I? Can I see my dad?" And I go, "Yeah, of course yeah. you can see your dad. You deserve to see your dad." And his dad's like already there in another room. It was almost like an episode of Moy Povich where it's like, you know, well, we have your dad right here, and he just like comes in. But it, it, it's so. Uh, I think that might just be the way it's edited. Yeah, perhaps. So the dad comes in and sits down, and uh, I, I will say this particular moment, this particular sequence, was really powerful. But you know, it tricked me. Like it, you know, I, I will say, Chris, you know, he's a master manipulator. 
So he did a really uh, good job tricking me into buying into his bullshit with with his uh, uh, confessing to his dad about what supposedly happened. And I, I found it. Um, what, I found, what didn't actually happen? Kind of reminded me about like the relationship that I had with my dad. Um, it, 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 just as a side note, there was a time where I locked my keys in my car, or or I or I couldn't find my keys, and I was in Orlando. And I called my parents finally because I finally got to the point where like, shit, I, I'm going to need their help. They might have to come up here and bail me out. And uh, mm-hmm. when my mom answered up the phone, I was like, yeah, uh, can I talk to dad? Because I just wanted to talk to my dad about it. It just I just felt like he would be more understanding. My mom was very reactive and he wasn't. So Chris wanting to talk to his dad to confess whatever he needed to confess it kind of reminded me of of me when i was younger although you know with the way the documentary uh, presents this audio like i did not understand a single yeah, you word do, either you, them you, were saying you did, I, I i myself had to actually go back and rewind and be like wait what um so basically when the dad comes in and this is where the bomb gets dropped he, the second bomb the second yeah. bomb he yeah. he quite might as well be the biggest bomb of all really he, in a very whispered tone, is talking about. He's he's saying something along the lines of, "Shanann killed the girls. She got really angry and strangled them. Strangled them. And so I got into a rage and and I I, I strangled her, and 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 she's dead. And the dad's like." God almighty, son. Oh, my God. He's like, oh, my God. And, and like, I really, like, when I first saw that particular scene, like, I my jaw dropped because I was I really, because I think I was focusing more in on the father and, and his reaction mm-hmm. to everything. It was so real and so strong. Yeah, because it's like, Jesus, and, uh, like, how do you, what do you even, it's like, what? Are you, f- like, you want, like, as a dad, you'd, part of you wants to, just be in awe and the other party wants to slap the fucking shit out of the back of the kid's head be like you out your goddamn mind boy yeah. like what in what universe did you learn to do that like what and you know like if if you if you bought into the story you know that it was an act of rage like you know for killing you know his kids like you could you could kind of maybe see why somebody would, you know, completely lose it in that moment, right. but not to that extent. Well, and, and t- like, tie like, it in it, with it, the it, fact that Shanann knows that he's having an affair, so she, so yes. she's enraged. She's seeing her family disintegrate, and to get back at Chris, she's going to kill the kids, and she's this. Do- but that doesn't make and sense. She's this domineering person no it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense and that's the story he's trying to paint and that's what he and so that's the story he's trying to paint and initially like when i you know i first saw the confession you know to his dad i, I kind of bought it but then like i paused and i'm like oh, i don't know about it. this doesn't really add up and then you know then the investigators come back into the fold and then they are like come on chris like this just doesn't add up. They're like, are they? You know, either you're this, you know, either you're a monster, you know, and you killed all three, you know, or uh, there's something else going on here. Just tell us the truth. And they're like, are you sure you want to paint the mother of your children as as this monster? And he's like, yeah, that's that's what happened. You know, that's what you know she did. 
It was like, I did not hurt my babies. I did uh-huh. not hurt, you know. With with still just the most limp dick amount of passion as as we saw at the beginning when they were first discovered missing. Just not a passionate, believable bone in his body at this point. As far and then the 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 the, uh, the woman who uh, supervised the lie detector, she's like, you probably feel really sick to your. I can see you're sick. You're sick to your stomach. You know, just just let it out. You know, you'll feel better. But he better, doesn't. He doesn't. You know, we'll in, in, in the investigation room, he doesn't actually. There's, there's never like a clip of him actually saying what he really did. I think he might have, but I don't think they showed that in the documentary for some reason. I don't because there's no way that they did not get some kind of confession out of him. Well, they, they, they just, no, because, they eventually you know, did, and and so then the full truth is revealed. It might have been in the courtroom. I don't know. It might have been a separate interrogation. Um. But he does break down, and he does tell he does, them. He does you know, say what okay, happened, where the where the bodies. So are. the night that she comes home, this is what really happens. They end up having sex. Don't know why. I'm sure she's happy about it because she's thinking, okay, maybe things are going back to normal. They wake up the next day, and he says that he wants a divorce, and he's not in love with her anymore. And she's like, "Well, what the fuck was last night?" And she starts saying shit like you're never going to see your kids again. And then according to him, he becomes possessed like by a demon and he starts strangling her and she's not really fighting back according to him, which is unfortunate because I would, man, it's like that sucks. You know, you would like to think that she went out fighting, but, but, but you know, that that's his story. That's his and, recollection. And he's of the only happened. one who can know at this point. His daughter comes in and sees what what's going uh, on. You know what's wrong with mom? And, and he's you know she's face down on the bed. He's like, oh, she's fine. Whatever. Yeah. He takes the body, and that's when it cuts to the footage that the neighbor had of of what was put in this truck that they the pickup the, truck. that they said thought looked like Chris's. And he uh-huh. takes her body, wrapped up in a blanket or whatever, puts it in the floorboard. Puts it in the back seat, yeah. right? Yeah, the floorboard, the back takes seat. Takes his two daughters, puts them in the... Puts them in the back seat! To, to, where the mom's body is right below him. I mean, the level of fucking sick, I mean, is just... Yeah. is It has passed all human understanding for me at this point. Uh, I've seen enough true crime to where I can understand... You know, being in a rage, being told you're never going to see your kids again, and you just fuck you, bitch. And, and ch- but, but to to then take, but, but to then drive 45 minutes to a work site because he works as an oil yeah, guy. The the site he works at oil uh, sites, this, oil rigs or something. The site that he drives to is uh, just this remote. Excuse me, sorry, I'm just getting indigestion. I'm getting sick to my stomach thinking about this yeah. guy. There's like these two huge oil tanks in the ground, those ver- big ass vertical ones in in this very barren, mm. remote, desolate place. Forty five minute drive. His kids are in the back. I think they did like a, uh, a GoPro, not a GoPro, uh, um, uh, drone cam footage yeah, of the of the site uh, of, the lo- of the of the location. Yeah. So his kids are in the back, you know, just chilling, being like, you know, what's wrong? Mommy's fine. He takes Chris takes her. I mean, apparently he's thinking about everything on this on this drive. He's thinking about how 
he's going to be seen as as a bad father if if it gets found out that he killed his wife and then he just gets this snap decision no pun intended on snap um when he to kill his daughters bella and cece yeah he gets to the location and he then proceeds to suffocate both of his children with their blankets the whole time he's doing it to the first one, the second one's going, Daddy, what are you doing? And then he does it to the second one, and here she's, she's like, Daddy, Daddy no. Daddy, please stop, or Daddy, no. And apparently... No, it's just Daddy, Daddy no. no. And he's like, that's all I hear in my head, you know, it's just Daddy, he no. He buries Shanann in a shallow grave near the oil drums, and for whatever fucking mm. reason, he puts his daughter's bo- dead bodies in in these oil drums i think it's because uh he was set to go to work and it was just a uh, rush to get rid of the bodies uh yeah so he decided to just put them in the oil drums so um, how you can live with yourself why 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 the fuck did you kill your kids I mean, why, why? If it was this thing of rage, this act of rage or whatever, you know, you, something possessed you to, you know, uh, oh, you'll never see your kids again. So, uh, okay, you killed her. I mean, it's a fit of rage I mean, socio- sociopath story, really is the operative term here because let, yes, he's a sociopath. Let's look at the let's look at the the optics of the situation in his eyes. If I divorce my wife and leave my kids for another woman, society will see me as a piece of shit. But if I can just make them go away, then I'm the widowed husband, and everyone will feel bad for me, and they will completely encourage my new relationship with this other woman. He's not thinking in his mind that there is even a possibility that he could be caught in which he will look like the most supreme piece of shit in in the same ranks of the BTK, uh, yeah. you know, fucking yeah. Jim Jones. And and by the way, folks, uh, Shanann was pregnant. Oh, yeah, that's another detail I forgot to add. She was pregnant with, what, twins or some shit? No, it was one But kid. it was a boy, I believe, which she was happy about yeah. for him. Oh, he gets to have a boy. So in his mind... He was able to live with the fact that he killed not only kids, but his own kids and his pregnant wife as long as he was able to get away with it and live his life with his new, you know, uh, his 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 new lover, his new hot young thing. I mean, right after, you know, he killed them, he sent her a message. Right. Basically saying, you know, things are going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a separation, da 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 you know, and um, there's also this whole thing that happened uh, involving his house. Like he set up things, you know, okay, you know, going to sell the house, like immediately after things happen. I'm, I'm taking, uh, the, ki- this, taking the kids uh, out of school, withdrawing the kids from yeah. school, I'm selling the house. It just try, I, I, I mean... He's listening to the song "Battery," absolutely, uh, like like uh, like by Metallica. Somehow they got records by that uh, about that. That was a song he listened to after he did the deed. Uh, which there are some lyrics in the song talking about like um, 
my rage will set me free or something like that. And and the te- that that's an extra thing I think that you yeah. might have found somewhere because I don't think that was mentioned. No, at it all wasn't. In the and and the tanks that the kids were buried in were called batteries. Um, and, yeah, and and fucking. Uh, so on on the side of the the mistress Nico. Uh, meanwhile, she's googling. Um, you know. Did, there was a certain lady who put out a uh, tell-all book, and uh, she was uh, seen in a certain light by the public. Um, basically, Nico was researching how how can I monetize this situation that just happened to me. Uh, I now I, yeah, I, I, yeah. how how can I write a book? She was looking into like how to write a book, a memo, you know, about. Uh, the situation like she was googling all that and only after looking into all that did she agree to go and speak with the investigators so she knew about all of this shit and she acted like she didn't i don't know if she knew about i don't i don't know if she knew about the that they were dead i don't think he ever told her that he killed them or anything i think she just knew you know about okay they're missing um there's a pretty good chance that they're dead this is a big story um how can i benefit or profit from it i don't think she knew at that point when she was googling that stuff that that you know that they were dead well either way she's she not a decent person so then chris no (laughs) i mean you're trying to profit off of you know people who go missing you know that kind of stuff you know yeah it's pretty shady so then he he gets sentenced. Um, he, the family uh, they're so fucking up. Uh, uh, Shanann's family is so upset. And, oh, Chris's family too. Yeah, and and it's compounded by the fact that they show footage, video footage from the wedding, and the father of the bride is like, "I couldn't think of any better person for my daughter to marry." And, 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 and Shanann's brother. Yeah, Shanann's brother Frankie. is getting all emotional. You know, because before all this happened, when they were dating or courting or whatever, Shanann had lupus, and she had a bunch of, you know, gnarly shit going on with that. She just had a divorce. She just had a, a divorce herself and a, and a relationship that made her feel incredibly low yeah. as a person. And, and basically, Chris was with her at her lowest of lows. And so that's why the whole, all the family was so in, endeared to this guy, because it was like, wow, this is a great guy. And he appeared to be... You know, he appeared to be that way. I still don't know why he did it. All and, this and that's stuff. another even that's another even if he was a sociopath, which I think he is. I don't know why he went so far. And he even says, like, oh, you know, if I never met Nick, Nick Nicole or Nikki or Nico, like I never would have done this. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things that I kept saying uh, after I watched the documentary in our Facebook group. Uh, which is Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. If you want to search for the group section on Facebook, you can join the group and get in on the discussions. We have these discussions a lot of times way before we even do the podcast, so it's uh, kind of an interesting little side thing there. But I and a lot of, I've read a lot of articles about this, and people have said the same thing. The guy seemed so normal. That's what was so scary about it. And I know everyone out there is going, well, what's your definition of normal? Everybody, look, I'm not normal. Mike's not normal. 
but everybody has this standard in their mind of what is normal, what is societally acceptable behavior. And this guy checked off all the boxes. He was the most suburban oh, yeah. looking guy. Super dad. Super dad. You know, smiling. His daughter wrote a song, you know, about how he was her hero. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the you know, fit, you know, salt and pepper hair, you know, but still in shape, you know, like they just seemed like, you know, the family that was going to grow old together. The daughters would grow up and go to college and, you know, blah, 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 all that great shit. Um. And then he does all this. And it's just like... And then they reveal things in the last uh, few minutes of the documentary that tie things even more to just how sadistic and how premeditated all of this was. Um, the whole thing with the phone, like, oh, it's her lifeline. They show text messages from him, like, sending text messages to her phone saying, like, hey, where are you? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, selling, selling the whole story of him being the concerned husband. And, and he knows that, you know, she's They even have there. statistics about this kind of thing. Um, they say that uh, basically... The majority of the time, it, it's, it's a... It's a um, husband or or a a male it's a white male in their 30s and these things usually happen around august before the kids go back to school and so now i'm asking myself what is happening to white men as they grow up that they feel this 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 uh i don't know if it's like a pressure or a a some kind of uh, expectation to have this certain lifestyle or this certain appearance of having all their shit together and perhaps uh he has some mental some buried mental problems but he's too prideful to like seek out help like what is it mm-hmm. what is it that that is the statistic and that that is anytime there's some kind of a psychotic killing a mass shooting it's it's fucking white men like what is going on and i know this i, I don't know <laughs> you don't really hear this talked about very much but what is going on with with white men that 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 is the prime perpetrator of these particular chris rock did a fucking funny ass bit about it a long time ago he he said he watched he would he does this thing where he likes to watch the news and guess if it's a black guy or a white guy and he's like if it's someone kicking an old lady down the stairs for her uh, $10 food stamp card, that's definitely a black guy. If it's a guy who kills someone and makes an, a necklace out of their eyeballs, that's a white guy. <laughs> and it's like, that. that's like, as, you know, whatever racially, whatever incorrect, politically incorrect as that is. That's fucking true, though. All these crazy ass murder scenarios where like you know the the murderer saved all the teeth of the victim and and put them in a jar that's some white people shit what why what kind of societal thing makes white dudes snap like this you just don't see that in any the, other group the, the 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 teeth thing that that's more of a psychological thing that's not a strictly white well i i, I, I mike i was literally just pulling an example out of my ass you don't have to psychoanalyze what i, I know. Just said but that my, my my point being is <laughs> you know i mean you you can look at all these people the dahmers the btk you know 
just mm-hmm. the bizarre but you you just don't see this uh this kind of thing in other ethnicities it's like it's, it's like we have the like caucasians have the lock on these weird crazy ass kind of uh, uh situations and this guy this chris watts guy who quote-unquote appears so normal that's another trait of these these odd killings uh the the btk killer was this seemingly uh uh vanilla uh house dad who who uh was in the boy like the head of the boy scouts who was uh killing older women and 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 jeffrey dahmer mr upcoming young republican who was dismembering boys and eating their brains and shit and John Wayne Gacy, who was this clown at kids' events, who it's never the frothing at the mouth, walking down the street, you know, babbling to themselves, people. Yeah. It's these. One of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, the classic Unsolved Mysteries that profiled sociopaths, one of the experts said they're almost like these aliens who, who play the part of a human being but have no actual c- tangible connection to human feelings or real human emotions. They're just playing a character. And, and it's like, that's what we see with these people. Now, in some further information that I've gotten about this, uh, as Chris has been sitting in jail, he's found Jesus. Because what else are you going to do when you go to prison? And he uh, writes letters to this uh, woman named Sherilyn Cadle. Yeah. Uh, she publishes a book... And in the book, you find out that he had been planning this, yeah, this whole thing ahead of time. But, but he found Jesus, and now he's saying shit like, uh, because this woman that he's been corresponding to in jail got him in touch with this uh, attorney of sorts, and the phone call was taped because all prison phone calls are. And man, Chris is saying shit like. You know, yeah, because I, I got to get out of here because God has a purpose for me and I have to live that purpose. And, and, and this this place, this being in prison is not my is not God's purpose for my life. And it's like, dude, fucking kill yourself, man. God's purpose was God's purpose for you to kill your whole family. God, I, I'm essentially an atheist. So whenever people start bringing this kind of shit up. It's one thing if you haven't killed your whole family to feel like God has a purpose for your life. That's fine. Good for you. But when you do something like kill your family and then you're going to turn around and say God, God's purpose, dude, fucking just put your mouth on a tailpipe at that point. Like fucking do something. Please put yourself out of your fucking out of all of our misery. There is no there is no purpose for your life. He premeditated this. He premeditated premeditated as fuck. And uh, apparently, uh, when uh, he also admitted that he previously attempted to force Shannon to miscarry by slipping her Oxy-coda, some tablets. Oxycontin into uh, into one of her drinks because he wanted her to miscarry. Yeah, and he was he he uh, he took a picture of a dummy with a blanket over the dummy's body on the couch, and he sent it to Nico, and he's like, you know, how does this look, or something like that. So I mean, so there was all these kind of like like you know. And then he also, uh, he revealed more information about what happened to his daughters on the day they died. Uh, he previously described how he killed them at the site their bodies were found, but in letters to Cato, he stated that he had actually attempted to smother them in their bedrooms using a pillow before his argument with Shannon. Jesus Christ, dude. This guy is pure fucking evil. 
But you watch. Yeah, he says he claims that he murdered his family so that he could feel free to be with his new girlfriend, Nikki. He said that feelings of my love for her uh, was overcoming me. I felt evil swallowed up by this thing inside of me. I felt like I could kill anything and be justified for doing it. Yeah. In one letter, he said to have written, if I had not met Nikki, I would have never killed my family. And I think, isn't there another like article that says like he's upset about how the documentary portrayed him or I, something? I... <laughs> he's thinking about suing the documentary fucking filmmakers or Netflix. Cracka, cut me a fucking break. How? How? I have no words, dude. I have no words for how idiotic yeah, of a state, how they portrayed you. You mean splaying yeah. the facts on full display for everyone to see how much of a piece of fuck you are? Yeah, how the documentary portrayed you. You should be embarrassed about you're still alive and that you've not smothered your own self. That's the biggest embarrassment. And he's talking out of two sides of his mouth because on one side, he's saying that... uh I was demon possessed, uh, you know, now that I have found Jesus, I, I, in that moment, I was demon possessed, you know, a demon had possessed me. Because uh, when you were saying that, like, he didn't say that in the documentary, so I was like, we're, uh, I just let you roll with that. But no, I that's was, some like, extra info that I Yeah, got. I don't. No, he said, he said yeah. he was demon possessed when, when he, when he was doing that. And then. Oh, like the son of Sam killer who the, said the dog, uh, his neighbor's know, dog the, told him the, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, at least at least with that guy, you could say, OK, David Berkowitz uh, had had mental problems. He was mentally ill. This guy is just a, he's got mental problems. He's a sociopath. He can function in society. He's not hearing voices or anything like that. He can just wake up one day and decide to kill. And I think that's what's the most unnerving about this for most people who watch it, because it's why it, it, because it's it's the why. We don't know the why. And because we don't know the why, it, it, it puts that fear inside of our hearts that, well, maybe I could do that. What, what's so different about me that I couldn't just do that one day? And that's, that's what, what scared me. Of course, I know I would never do it. I can't even harm a cockroach without feeling bad about it. But that whole, if it could happen to this guy, if this guy could wake up one day and be able to do this who's to say nobody else you know anyone else couldn't do it either i'm wondering if there's other stuff like you know there's other you know bits of you know different relationships that he's had that kind of you know were a little bit of precursors of like how far he might go with with things but we we don't know and we probably will never but the know the whole like him talking um, out of two sides of his mouth is like on one side he's saying he was demon possessed but on the other side he literally says to this day, he he wants to get in touch with Nico. She has changed her name, <laughs> and because he admitted in, in wow. because he admitted in court to his crime, he pleaded guilty. She didn't have to. T she did not have to testify. Therefore, she doesn't qualify for witness protection. So she has laid the fuck low this whole time. But he. She changed her name too. I think he still yeah. wishes to this day that 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 he could get in contact with her. Because quote he could, Nikki, because yeah. he quote unquote needs closure on their relationship. He needs closure. So by the way, it's not Nico, it's Nikki. But I think I also heard Nico at one point. So it, it's just kind of you know. Whatever. Regardless, like people have been yelling at people have for been trying to profit. They've been yelling at their phones this whole time. It's Nikki, you fucking idiots. Whatever.
Um, we also said Nicole at one point, which is actually her real name. But one, um, I mean, at one point I called her Jamalama Ding Dong, but you know, I've just been going all over the I map. I mean, with her. what's the point is she's she's a, a bit of a piece of shit too for trying to profit off of you know this whole thing. And uh, Chris Watts is just a, he is a monster. Like what they were saying, like you want to be known as a monster or blah blah blah. Are you a mo- are the are you this monster or is it something else? No, he's he's that monster. He's that monster next door. You know, it, it, it's like you know the real monsters are not the ones under your bed. They're not your pet monsters. They're not the ones you see on Monsters Inc. The real monsters are people like Chris Watts. Another thread. Hiding in plain sight. Another thread that, uh, oh God, we're coming in two hours here. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> so another thread that wasn't picked up in the documentary, and this is from a, the uh, digitalspy.com article, uh, it was a couple's finances. They had filed bankruptcy in 2015, which court documents showing that Chris was the main earner for the family at the time. They also had credit card debt, student loan repayments, and outstanding medical bills. Shanann uh, then landed a job with an impressive salary, which brought her independence and took her away on business trips. As shown in the Netflix show, Chris would stay home and look after the children while she was working. This led the media to speculate about whether jealousy or resentment played a role in the murders. As outlined in the show, the prosecution's argument was that Chris Watts had murdered his wife and his children in order to start over with his new love interest. American Murder itself didn't attempt to offer up up much analysis, but instead gave a play-by-play of events leading up to the crimes, some insight into their family life, and a look at what happened to Chris Watts after his eventual confession. By piecing together public social media posts and text message conversations... They're just explaining... Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Just explaining, you know, blah, blah. Um, let me see here. There's nothing extra in there, trust me. Okay. Um... I didn't mention that because I didn't think it was. Really yeah, that's that, not really that. You know. I don't know. I just thought I'd squeeze any last bit of juice out of this. I mean, uh-huh. and I'm sure there's even more shit that you know is going to come that's going to surface that that we are haven't touched on in this podcast. Uh, I wish I could go back on a lot of like the cult uh, episodes we've done because like I've. For instance, when we reviewed Going Clear, I've gotten so much more into being a Scientology watcher that I could have provided. I mean. For fuck's sake, I think we were calling him Marty Rathburn, and it's Marty Rathbun, uh, the, you know, one of the defective... Eh, you know, whatever, the, I, you know. I, And then, yeah. like, the Westboro Baptist Church, I could have provided a lot more insight on that. So, it, it's just one of these things where, you know, we go into things when they're kind of, you know, fresh in our minds, and uh, we try to provide as much uh, information on this as possible. But I think mainly what people listen for is mainly our reactions uh, which for me is total disgust. I'm not going to lie, man. I've seen a lot of documentaries about murders. I've been into true crime for a long time now. And this one left me the most shaken. Uh, I mean, I can't say it's hard. There's so many bad ones out there, but this was one of the top three that left me most shaken after watching it. I was just really literally disgusted that, it was it was pretty rough. I would say Paradise Lost uh, was was a little bit you know because of the whole uh, miscarriage of justice on top of everything. Well, I mean, showing um, the kids so like dead bodies and in showing the, woods the kids was dead bodies like, like an image in the woods. That you can't yeah. really get out of your mind. No, um, I mean they no. graphically go in. They you know show you exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, so that's 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 literally like, but I mean, as far as Chris Watts is concerned, that's a whole family. And I don't I'm sure the videos have been taken down on Facebook after the popularity of this have probably just been inundated. But all the everything going on in those videos, that is a whole like generation. Well, not a generation, but it's like a whole potential dynasty of a family wiped out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all because. And, and, you know, this kind of leads me into my next point is I think, you know, if you don't have a passion in life in particular and you're just kind of going through life, you know, like, I don't really know what I want to do. I guess I'll get a job doing that. Dude, you don't know how many people I've talked to who said that they got into their job because it made a lot of money. Nothing about passion, nothing about I wanted. I always had a passion for this. They're, they're doing it because it pays a lot of money. They get married because they feel like that's what you're supposed to do. And they buy a house because they feel like that's what you're supposed to do. And they do it young because they feel like that's what you're supposed to do. And then, you know, my mom told me a long time ago, don't rush into marriage because sometimes you'll get married and then you'll you'll find your true love later on. And, you know, you'll have a lot of problems with that, you know, you marry the wrong person because you feel like you're that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to marry young, blah, blah, blah. What I'm getting at is that I feel like part of this whole thing is Chris probably should have never gotten married to Shanann. He probably did it because he felt like it was the right thing to do for his life because that's just what you do. And if you don't get married, you're some kind of weirdo. And he had nothing better. He had no other passions going on. So it's like, yeah, why not? I'm just working this dead end job that pays well, might as well get married and start a family because whatever. And then he meets this this woman and it's like, no, shit, she's more adventurous. And this is the person I really should have been with. And it's like, well, if you had just not gotten married in the first place and just kind of waited. Well, I mean, he says if I had not met Nikki, I would have never killed my family. But I mean, even, you know, there could have been the waiting thing, but I don't. This guy is a stone-cold sociopath. I think there would be some point in time where he would be in a relationship that he's not happy with uh, and would have murdered them. Yeah, probably. And and his kids in that relationship. I don't think that, you I know, believe, would have necessarily I can't believe there were people stopped things from happening. Like, after all this happened, I can't believe there were people, especially women, who took this guy's side. Thought he was innocent. They yep. took it. They, they 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 started like a and they were like she's a bitch. Like I was I was, I was telling you about earlier, and when the, you were thinking that they were saying that on the news, you know the whole Facebook groups and people. It's being like, like yeah, so you oh, so you murder your family because someone's a bitch, which I don't think I I on the off for the record I don't think Shanann was a bitch. I think she, I think she had some moments. That I think could be interpreted as such. That's uh, the, um, in some ways, the fallacy of social media because it shows you uh, sides of people without context. So uh, if you just saw that video of the Santa Claus thing, I could see why some people were like, oh, what a controlling, you know, dominatrix she was. But I don't know how you would go as far to be like, oh, she was kind of a bitch. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, just it was perfectly justifiable that he killed her or that she would have killed her kids because she was a bitch in a few clips on social media. You know? I think I also I, I don't also know think how there's you would like get to that. I think point. there's a group of 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 women out there in the population that probably have low self-esteem, whatever you want to call it. They themselves might be a little sociopathic. Uh, they they have like a thing for like guys in prison who were convicted of something serious who who are like these notorious well known killers because like the fucking Menendez brothers they met well, they yeah, met both of their wives group, from prison correspondence yeah you know it's it's like fucking like uh-huh. these but in this group in the Facebook groups you're talking about this is uh, they were the most popular before it was known that that he actually 100 percent, you know did it so yeah but even after he was in um, jail he still met that one lady like reached out to him and 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 she's of course she's the one who this is what she's the one who's uh, facilitating him getting a fucking attorney and i mean it's like you know he was saying that he was uh, everything happened so fast that he he wrongfully admitted to killing his family that bullshit dude come on if if making a murderer guy is still in jail, there ain't no fucking way you're getting out of jail. I mean, and no, there's reasonable not, doubt no. that the guy in making a murderer uh, could could possibly be innocent. Uh, I I at this point almost believe on. I know that his his uh, mentally challenged cousin is innocent, um, but the guy himself could also is probably also innocent too. Um, I just think he was too dumb to do anything like that. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. I. I I don't want to tackle that whole. That would be way too long of a podcast to do with making a murderer. So yeah, it's a shame. That's kind of all I have to say about it. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, I really don't. Uh, it's just a really uh, awful uh, thing. I mean, it, it, it's the kind of thing that you know, it's kind of case that when you see it, it reminds you that we as humans and as people are capable of so much wonderful and 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 great things you know uh, and and we can be lovely and and really personable and and um, nice individuals and we have families and bring new lives into this world and at the same time we can destroy all of that we can you know rip out the heart and you know and and just trample the soul of an entire family because of superficial oh i like this woman more than this other woman and i want to be with her so i'm just gonna kill kill it all yep you know it's just you know that it's it reveals a dark side of human nature that uh is very unsettling and i and i think it does really truly scare pretty much everybody because of just the unpredictability of it all yeah well that's the thing you know if if this if this seemingly quote-unquote normal guy can do this then uh you know it, it makes you wonder the whole like don't go back into the water you know because a shark might be in there like don't date you know don't get married don't be around anybody because <laughs> there might be a shark you know 
next door. You know, it might be a shark. Uh, you know, you might marry a shark. All right, so let's let's liven and, this up uh, with uh, the final segment here, and then we'll we'll end this uh, super duper podcast. Yeah, because I'm fucking. I'm the one who's fucking. Oh no, I am too. Time. I'm gonna get some firehouse subs after this. <laughs> Uh, this is the perks of being a Josh Flower. These are diaries I un- uncovered a few months ago from when I was 15, 14 through 24 was when I r- wrote these. I think where we're picking up at now, I believe I was 16 years old. Um, basically, just all the ramblings of me as a teenager. Pretty cringy. Uh, some of them not so cringy. Casey is making a lot more. Uh, I warned you guys when Casey came up in these diaries, you're going to hear a lot more about her and her bitch ass mom. Uh, these are the struggles, the trials and tribulations of a teenage Josh. Uh, hope you enjoy. We're, leave- we're picking up Friday, March 25th, 2005. I wanted to make two different posts because there were two different topics, and I felt it to be appropriate to, uh, for Casey Baby to have her own entry. Ugh, cringe. Oh, Casey cringe, Baby. Cringe, cringe, cringe. Okay, so anyway, Josh Delacruz <laughs> spent two nights at my house. He called me Wednesday night and was like, dude, can I come over? And I was like, tomorrow? Sure. And he's like, no, tonight. And I, and it was like eight. And I was like, sure, damn, I was bored as hell. Good ideas. Yeah, so he came over and it was sort of fun. But damn, that boy loves hardcore and emo, my two most hated music types, besides, of course, the obvious rap and country. Um, but yeah, so the first night we just hung out at my house. But the second night we went to the mall and I went to go buy a movie, but the movie like made me really feel really nervous. So I had to leave. I went to go. Oh, I went to go to a movie. But the movie. The, what movie was it? I didn't it? say. And the movie made me feel really nervous. So I had to leave. I That was common. Do you remember? No, I have no idea. Uh, that was common for me back in the day to go to the movie theater and have a panic attack. Um, sometimes I would have to leave. Um but hell if I could tell them that. Oh, so I was still keeping my panic attacks a secret from my friends. That's interesting. I tell anyone who will listen now about them, but back then I guess I was keeping that secret. I just made some lame excuse about how the movie sucked and how I didn't want to see it. So yeah, there goes six bucks down the hole. Oh, geez, six bucks. God, that's so much money for a movie. Like, shit. I'd pray for a $6 movie ticket nowadays. Jeez, that shows you how fucking old I'm getting. Yeah, uh, if you can even go to the movies... Yeah. <laughs> that was a really weird laugh, Mike. I never want to hear you laugh like that again. That sca- that scared what? me. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that laugh. I'm just gonna loop it for like 20 minutes and upload it to YouTube. Um. Anyway, going back to this post. So then I went to Books a Million for like ever. I love that damn store. It's got everything. I hope books never go out of style. I like them, but I also like keeping my distance from them because too much words is bad for me. What? Okay. Too much words is bad That's for you? That's what 16-year-old uh, me just said. I got a fucking zit on the edge of my lip, and it fucking hurts! Okay, yeah, so then me and Josh went home and went to my cousin's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the transitions. They're just... It's a car I know, crash. it's very bipolar. Uh, we went over to my cousin Steven's house and ate a banana. That's code name for we smoked a cigarette. Because it was, it was still yep. super edgy back then for me to smoke a singular cigarette. Uh, then we were just hanging out over at his house, and we just got this urge to go to a condemned trailer at the end of our road. Well, we dodged all the rabid dogs and ran, run down to the house to try to break in the back door. And the shit's barricaded, so then we try the front, and it's padlocked. 
So we are going back some other time with bolt cut. So we are going to go back some other time with bolt cutters. I don't think there is anything in that shit house besides black mold and mutant insects. This was this was around 5 a.m. that we did that. We basically stayed up all night. Then we went back and hung out, hung around, and I went to sleep. But Josh Delacruz and Steven stayed up and did who knows what. Probably fondled each other in weird areas. But then I woke up and Josh was gone, so I went home and here I am. I think I'm about to watch Rush in Rio. I feel pretty good today. I feel like not bad, so that's good. And there is trouble in the forest. There is unrest in the tree. Yeah, then I quote a Rush song. Um, yeah, okay, that was... I, to be fair, a pimple on that on, on that part of your lip Oh, they're is so really painful, and I get them all the time. Bad. I don't know why. I always get zips. On and the, uh, another thing's really bad: canker sores. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, I get those under, too. On, uh, under the lip, or you know, those suck. Yeah, I definitely get that all the time. Um, all right, so this is from Tuesday, March 29th, two thousand five. Um, so anyway, today was all right. I got to see my lover, Casey, and I gave her a little kiss. I I know she liked it. I'm wearing her chapstick right now. School is sucking ass right now. We have SATs and they are boring as hell. And today this... So is this... This is at the time when you're not supposed to be with each right, other, yes. right? Yes. We are, we are still timeline. clandestinely... Her mother forbade us to be together. Uh, we are having to see each other in secret. This is this is Nazi Germany right now as far as like we're concerned, uh, as far as trying okay. to see each other. Uh, and today this lady wouldn't even take... Okay, all right. I remember this. Today, this lady wouldn't take my prayer request in class just because I was praying for my dad to get this job at Anheuser-Busch. Okay, so in every class, I went to a private Christian school. In every class, we would begin with, with prayer. It might not have been every class. It might have just been our homeroom class. So they would take prayer requests. The teacher would be like, who has a prayer request? You would raise your hand. And you would say, pray for my grandfather. He's sick in the hospital. Okay, whatever. Oh, yeah, prayer request. I yeah, raised my I hand because my dad was unemployed at the time, and I prayed that he got a job at Anheuser-Busch because, you know, that it would have made good money or whatever. And Miss um, Warden was her name. Um, she goes, don't you ever ask me to pray for something like that. And I'm like, what? Oh, because it's a beer yeah. company. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You're not going to pray for my dad? And she's like, no. Yeah, you know, she's like, I'm not going to support that. And then so I said in this post, in all caps, fuck you, Giovanni Warden. I hope you rot in hell, you motherfucking bitch. Get out of your comfort zone, <laughs> fucking bitch. Damn. Yeah, that's Trinity for you. You know, whatever. He didn't get the job. But I mean, she was being, you know, a, a bitch. Oh, there, yeah. But like, you also went like for her jugular. Yeah, I know. You know just I, ripped her fucking throat I out. So. I, I, I honestly <laughs> think on a certain level, I knew I was poking the bear by ask, at being at a Christian school and asking them to pray for something like that. So that, that was. Oh, that's stupid, though, because like you're not if you work at, you know, Anheuser-Busch, you aren't really technically supporting alcoholism you're just you know making you're making beer which is uh i mean you know it's in, in any christian organization it's full of hypocrisy i mean the bob gray and you can google this if you if you if the spirit should move you bob gray the uh, longtime president of trinity christian academy 
uh, has been accused by several women of uh, molesting them when they were little children. So you have a a pedophile leading the church, and yet you're not going to pray for my dad to get a job at a company that simply makes beer but doesn't force anyone to become an alcoholic. Okay, yeah, the the hypocrisy in this goddamn school was just mind-blowing, and I saw it even back then. Uh, All right, this is the last one I'll read, and then we'll wrap it up. This was from April, Wednesday, April 6, 2005. Well, fart, shart, magart, today was gay. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's how I started it out. Just end it there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. There's probably no way that that's going to get any better. I stayed stayed home from school, and I went to the doctor because my ass bone has been killing me. He well, he said it was either bruised or fractured. Duh. So I went home. How do you fracture your? Uh, what is it? A coccyx? My coccyx. Yeah, I was my my <laughs> grandmother had this ramp installed on the back porch of her house because she was getting too feeble to even walk upstairs. Um, and oh, it, that sucks. And yeah, it, when that it happens, it had rained and it was the the ramp was slick. So me and my cousin were running and trying to skid on our feet down the ramp. Because we were both skateboarders at the time, so we, we had a good sense of balance to stay you know upright while we did that. Well, I did it one time, and my feet just went out from under me, and I landed right on my, my tailbone. And it, it, it Ooh, yeah, yeah, so it really got, like, I, I think I'd fractured it. I mean, I was in so much pain um, sitting down. This is when you were still pretty heavy, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. So then all that was that, the extra all weight. That weight on top of it, yeah. It wasn't when I... Because that's what I read, is that, like, if you're heavier, like, and you have, like, a moment that like, you fall, or, you know, you get hit by a car, um, you tend to to get more injuries. Yeah. You, didn't, you know, then, you know, some skinny boy over here getting fucking It was hit, so... It was, dude, it air. was so much sheer pain just sitting down and get getting up was the worst. Sitting, sitting yeah. down hurt, but, like, like getting up from a chair, I was in just such severe pain. So anyway, did you have one of those like do- uh, inflatable the donut? Like, no, I should have. I sh- a donut. <laughs> I should have gotten one of those, but I never did. And all the kids just thought it was so funny that I I was injured in that place. Um. So anyway, I said he hurt his ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I uh, played my guitar. Then I went back up to this X-ray place. I sat in the truck for a long ass time listening to music. I sat in the fucking truck for like hours. We waited so long. Finally, it turned out it was my turn to get x-rayed. I had to sit in all these sexually arousing positions, and I had this gown on me, and the boxers <sighs> I was wearing had a metal button in it, so I had to take them off. So all I had on was my gown, and those fucking hospital gowns come down in the back, so that old guy had a nice view. And when he went back to take the x-ray, he was making this weird orgasmic groaning noise. <laughs> I think I turned... Was he really? I don't remember. I, that's what I wrote. I think I turned him on sexually. So we went to Panera Bread and got some bread. And then I ate Casey out at my house. I love how the guy being turned on by your your ass, <laughs> you know, is like, it's just very... Common, you know, common place uh, for me. Common... Uh, generic, you know, well, whatever. And then I went to Panera and got some bread. And uh, and, so and then, I, then who, after that, I said, and then I ate Casey out at my house. And then in parentheses, I put which didn't really happen. Like, why do I? Why did I feel the need to say shit like that? And then I ate. I wish. So, 
So since you said that, it might not have happened at all, like the whole old guy. Um, maybe, maybe not. But I mean, clearly I identify when things don't really happen. Like with Casey, I said that didn't really happen. Uh, then I go on. And now I'm talking to you, Zanga. Man, I have felt this whole month. I have felt off this whole month slash year. Right when things went back to normal around here, I, st- I stayed fucked up. Ain't that some shit? That Paxil has some wicked pisser side effects. Oh, okay, so I had gotten on anti-anxiety meds at this point. For instance, I, con- I a constant drugged feeling. Sometimes I get these little spouts of nervousness, nausea, and tremors. But hey, I don't have panic attacks anymore. Yesterday I looked and I looked in the mirror and I was like, "Damn, I'm so ugly." But I think it was the shirt I was wearing that made me look like I was 300 pounds. It's like a fucking moo-moo, which is what I think I will buy Casey's mom. Oh, burn. Yeah, on another note, the note of G-sharp minor, I think I will do something constructive with my time right now and play an instrument and maybe even talk to my lover tonight. I'm pretty sure we will have phone sex again. I can get her very wet. Bye. Okay, that's oh, disgust- fucking disgusting. Uh, so you made her wet. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeez, Mike. I, I just I don't like sex talk. I don't like hearing about it, even if it's from m- myself. Like I think it's fucking gross. I'm. I know, but I just I'm I can, very. That, that was just right there. That was right yeah. there. So low hanging. I'm fruit. very puritanical in that way, I guess. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I you know I had those panic attacks, and I you know talked about it in the Zanga Chronicles. And what I didn't talk about is when I started getting on Paxil, I was. I was. I am the youngest person I have ever known to get on an anti-anxiety. I think I took. I think I took Paxil at one point. Like how old? How old were you? I took Paxil and Respiridol when I was like in uh, was it elementary or junior high? Oh so. yeah, that's. I I, I started yeah. taking it. I want to say seventh grade uh, was when I first. Started yeah, it was around it. the same time I was taking stuff like that. Well, it might so have been. I might even t- started taking it earlier than. It might that. have been eighth grade actually. But yeah, um, I. I, so I might have beat yeah, you. you might, yeah, like, you like, might have. Does that, does that really matter? <laughs> no, it's like I beat you in terms I was, of taking anxiety I was meds. I fucked up earlier I'm, in life than you were. Nah, nah. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Um, so that's the end of the perks of being a Josh flower. I'm excited to see like how my life uh, evolves as these, you know, because I it gets better. Yeah, how it gets better, how I kind of get out of the woods with my shit. Um, because I I would have I would never sit down and read these on my own. You guys understand that, right? Like I would never. This isn't something I'm indulging in because I'm a narcissist. This is something that you guys are connecting with in some way or another, and so I'm finding out shit about myself. And I'm remembering things that I forgot about through reading these because I would not I would not take time out of my day to go through all of these. So breaking up into small chunks like this is kind of fun. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast, guys. Sorry we uh, dilly dallied so long with getting this out. It's not like we haven't been super busy. Stop yelling at us right now. Um, If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can uh, follow us on Instagram. Just look up Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. You can follow us on Twitter which is um, our handle is at Uncovering UM, or just type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Our Facebook group is where we're most active. We have a cool, active community of people on there who post regularly, so it's not some dead-ass group that, you know, nothing ever is said. 
Um, you can find that group by going to Facebook, go to the group section, type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, we have Patreon out. Uh, you can get the episode, the podcast early. Um, you can, for $5 a month, um, get the podcast early and recommends what we should talk about on our next episode. Um, and if you want me and Mike separately, because maybe we're two together on this podcast and you're like, I just want to hear Mike's voice. You can look us up on our separate YouTube channels. We do our very own content on those. Uh, Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. I was just rewatching Robocop last night, but I didn't get to finish it. Uh, Mike, what was the last video you did on your channel? Uh, last video I posted is a review of the movie Lost Boys, The Thirst. Which I actually think is the third. It's the third film in the Lost Boys franchise. I actually think it's an underrated movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, way better than you might think for a direct-to-video sequel. Uh, so I reviewed all three Lost Boys movies. I reviewed Antebellum, uh, Drag Me to Hell, all three Evil Dead movies, including the uh, also the remake. So yeah, I got a bunch of stuff that I've done in the span of a couple weeks. And then I got some more stuff planned for the rest of this month. So, yeah, that's the last uh, last uh, series of videos that I've done. And if you like any of these movies or you're curious to hear my thoughts on those, um, there you go. Right on. There's a lot of content there. Do the thing. If you want to check out my channel uh, or my band, uh, it is youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. Um, you can uh, look me up on YouTube. You can also look us up on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, anywhere you fucking listen to music online. You can find Dancing with Ghost Music. Uh, we have a new song dropping this Friday or this Saturday, I'm sorry, October 24th. Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, it'll already be out. It's called Obsidian Blood. Uh, there's a new music video dropping for it. Uh, so please, please, please. Uh, at least give the song a listen. It's got a great Halloween vibe. It'll fit perfect on your Halloween playlist. Um, as far as my YouTube channel goes, I talk about music-related things. I rate albums. Uh, I do album reviews. I do, uh, you know, I'll talk about shit as random as Kids Bop to my last video was uh, some live streams of me uh, really breaking down. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine just re uh, published their 2020 updated list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, I don't think anybody really respects Rolling Stone on the level that they used to, but um, the last time they did one of these 500 greatest albums of all time was in 2003, and that list made a hell of a lot more sense than the, than the one now, because, I mean, they, they this list suffers from the whole woke thing. Uh, it's got a lot of artists... Um, on there that I feel are higher up on the list just based off uh, some quota they feel they need to meet. They, they need to be more representative and diverse despite whether the artist deserves to be there or not. They had fucking... Isn't that the one like Marvin Gaye's uh, album? Marvin Gaye album is number yeah, one Yeah, what's going on or? by Marvin Gaye is the number one greatest album of all time. The best album of Bull all time. fucking I, I... shit. It's not, it's, it's a great album. It, my dad loved the album. Greatest of all time? No. So anyway, that's my channel. Um, go check it out. Subscribe to Mike's channel. Uh, check out my band, Dancing With Ghosts. Um, you might fucking like it, man. You never know. Um, I think that's it. So until next week, have a good rest of your night. Bye. See ya. See ya.